0: Welcome to the You Need More Money podcast. I'm your host, Matt Monero, coming to you from the studio in Dallas, Texas. I was asked um, to do a coaching call with uh, Pandora XM Series Radio uh, last week talking about grit. How do you instill grit back into a big organization or, hell, even into a small organization, especially in corona times where it feels as though so many people have a reason to coast and not be freaking gritty? And so... Um, I put together 10 tips on how to reinstall grit into your organization for Pandora, and they were kind enough to um, to allow it to be used. So we're turning it into this episode of the You Need More Money podcast, the 10 tips that you need to reinstall or install into yourself or your company to get gritty. I hope you enjoy this one, and I'll see you down the road. So, I hope it doesn't I, let me apologize in advance if the message is is a little harsh to people. I I only know how to deliver it one way, but I just know what despair is, Matt. I know what looking into the abyss is, and I don't know I don't know it just from an entrepreneurial standpoint. I know it I know it from a financial standpoint. I I know what not having enough money does, you know, at the end of a life. And I talk about it in the book, you need more money and you know the story, but um i i have seen you want to share a little bit of that story it's 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 strong it's tough but it's 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 something good to hear Yeah. uh just for perspective my my wife and i've been together 22 years we have three boys and i know for a fact that as much as my wife loves me and, and our three boys she loved her brother more and they were just thick as thieves man and he, he uh, got, went to the doctor one day, he wasn't feeling well, and got diagnosed with stage four cancer, had a wife and four kids. He had no health insurance, no life insurance, and 100 bucks in the bank. And he died uh, one, one year later, almost to the day, and Rocky and I were able to cover all his bills and tr- do our best to remove that financial burden that he had not had time to take care of. That's really the premise of the book, You Need More Money. And so my point in bringing that up is, is I have seen what it is when we don't get our money right and what that does in a family setting. Um, and, 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 and I've also seen what it's like to write checks, to do your best to remove that. And, and those are some of the greatest checks I've been able uh, uh, to write. And, and unfortunately, to tell you the truth, since, that, since he died, since John passed, I've had to do it to my best friend and my wife's best friend and I'm sure everybody on the call today Matt can can think of someone in your family who was taken from us too early and that they were financially unprepared and I always like to challenge people with you know every family's got an Uncle Bob right Uncle Bob's got all the money Uncle Bob bought the corner lot and it went up and you know, he, everybody looks at Uncle Bob as the guy with the dough. My challenge to the group is, why aren't you Uncle Bob? Why not you? Why can't you be the person that sends your niece to to get lessons because maybe your brother or your sister didn't doesn't have the scratch to do it? How about you do that? And I'm telling you, those checks are some of the greatest checks I've been able to write to help fuel people's natural talents or to help try to eliminate some of the, the guilt that happens, and I, I don't want it to be a, a, a negative uh, call by any stretch, but I have seen despair, and I, uh, I've lived it, and I, I, I'm, I'm on a mission to help people not go through that.
1: I love that. I love that, and I know, you know, look, I, I know that's a personal story, and I know it's a it's a deep story, and it's something that motivates you, um, and we've talked a lot about it, and I just need somebody could pop on on mute and get a little background but it's something that uh, I, I love hearing that story because it definitely gave me a different perspective too and um, let's let's shifting it a little bit um, tell me a little bit and, and share with the group kind of your thoughts on on burn you know burn the ships you know if you yeah. like what I do you gotta you gotta yeah. rip it up to love it right
0: yeah, I mean, you know, look, I, I never had a plan B. My, You know, I didn't, I didn't go to much of a college. The only place I got into, that's where I went. I mean, I, I just didn't have a plan B. The business had to work, man. The career choice had to work. That's all there was to it. I just didn't have options. I certainly didn't have anybody helping me with the guidance. There was no roadmap of any kind. It just had to work. And so, you know, I really summed that up into, into this concept of, of grit and this constant toughness. And one of the things I did, Matt, was I made a 10, a 10 tips of, of how people on the call today at Pandora can actually get re-engaged with some grit. Why, why do you need to get re-engaged with grit? Number one, it's a competitive advantage. And number two, comfort is so dangerous in business. Things are moving so fast. And everyone on the call has had an account that we thought was ours. We thought we owned it. They were always going to do business with us. And then the clients sort of stopped returning phone calls and it sort of filtered away a little bit and they weren't quite as engaged with the same. And before you know it, the contract goes to somebody else. And that is comfort in its purest form. We had something to do with the losing of that account and we should not put ourselves in that spot. And I believe you don't when you embrace the concept of grit. So I have 10 tips for, for anybody on the call to crank on grit if they're interested. You want to do them? Yeah. You want to go through them? Yeah. <laughs> okay, right. cool. Let's do it. All right, look, I, there are 10 in, in, a, in a specific order because I I try to consider myself very tactical. I'm not much of a mindset person. I'm, I like to give me the roadmap and let me follow it kind of guy. So here's the first one. Number one, you got to improve your self-esteem. Uh, you know, that was the biggest challenge I had was I did not feel that I was worthy of real success. I just thought that was for somebody else. I just never really visioned that it could be me. And, and I want to challenge everybody to work on that, that, it, that the, the idea that anybody has the same opportunity as anybody else, it's America for goodness sake, Right? And capitalism runs strong. And therefore, if you want a piece of the American pie, you can get it. But you have to believe that you are worthy of it first. And I would just challenge everybody to spend some time working on what I call head cheese and just begin to really start to feel better about yourself and what you're capable of. Number two is train the brain. I want to know who, if, if, if I was to meet with someone in a business setting, the first question I'm going to ask is, who are you reading? Who are you watching? And who are you listening to? And if the answer is, you know, well, I, I, you know, I take in a lot of sports talk radio, that's going to be a problem for me. Like, I want to know, how are you training your brain? Tell me about the podcast you're listening to. Tell me about the last book you read. Tell me who, who's in your YouTube feed. I need to know that constantly getting better is important, is important to you. Um, Number three, Matt, can you hear me still? Got you great. Okay, great. Uh, Number three is commit. You need to commit to your career like you would commit to a member of your family. The, the, the Commercial Fleet was our fourth child. And my wife, Rocky, the rocker, knew it from day one. In fact, it, I started Commercial Fleet before we even met. It was our fourth child. What does that mean? It means there will be date nights that get canceled. It means I will not be at every game. It means some plays I will not be able to make the school play because I have a commitment to making sure that my career choice was the right choice for the family. Not for me individually, but for me to be able to provide. And I think a lot of people have multiple layers of commitment that they could drive uh, into a much deeper level of commitment to their career choice. Number four, set big goals. I like to say this, we will all climb a hill. Everyone on the call is a hill climber. We want to win. That's why we're on the doggone call. It's why we're in sales. The problem is, that when we get to the top of the hill, we look back and we say, I should have climbed a higher hill. Look, last year I lost 50 pounds. When I hit that 50 pound weight loss by my deadline, you know what I said? I should have done 75. What a wuss. I worked my butt off. I should I should have ate less. I should have done 75 pound weight loss, you know? That's awesome. Don't, nice. don't we say that? So make sure that we're setting big, fat, juicy ones, right? I want to be the number one department in Pandora. I want to be the number one salesperson at Pandora. Whatever that happens to be, it, it, it really doesn't even matter to me that it's necessarily income-based. It could literally be, I want to be the most respected. I want to be the best dressed. I want to tell the best jokes. I don't even really care what it is. I just want them to be through domination that the goal is set, not through participation.
1: And it's, it's such a big goal that you don't, once you achieve it, you won't look back at it and say, I should I have set it that much higher.
0: I hope so, because that's, that's you know, we learn that economically too, man. It's like, you know, I want to make whatever, $100,000 a year and you get to 100,000 and you're like, man, I want as much as I thought. Should have gone for 250. <laughs> All right, so number five, big time for salespeople. Stay in the fight and follow up relentlessly. This is the P, I want everyone to think of You have purchased something during Corona. And now I want to ask you who that you purchased it from has reached out to you to say thank you. Just ask yourself that question. I bought bought some stuff during Corona. Some nice stuff. Not one time in the pandemic has the salesperson reached out to me to follow up and say thank you. Is there anything else I could not even try to upsell me? For another one, (laughs) nothing. So in this capacity, we have to remember that the first step really doesn't count. Everybody thinks, oh, what's the most important step? The first step. That's what all our moms told us. It's not true. In sales, it's the second, the third, the fourth, the fifth step. And we have to remember that the data tells us that it's seven to 12 touches before we really win an account. And if we forensically audited the biggest accounts in Pandora, we would know that it wasn't first call closes or second calls or third calls. There were multiple steps to the closing process, and it probably ended up being seven to 12 meetings, presentations, quotes, discussions, questions being answered. So one, two, three, four times trying to get a client relationship, it's not enough. Follow up relentlessly. I love that. Uh, number six, big one for the people on on the on the call who are starting to make some money. We got to stay out of what I call hashtag false positive. False positive is when you think you are doing better than you really are. It's so the 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 pink slips. You know the bills don't come on pink slips anymore. You, you you forgot you forgot the birthday, so you go and drop the two G's on the Prada. Ah, I can handle it, right? Oh, heck, it's just one more deal, baby. Go get the boat. That's false positive, man. You got to be really, really careful because, and going back to the original comments, Matt, um, I mean, I have, I have seen the other side of it, where people get lulled into financial security and they're not even close to where they need to be. And by the way, gang, the numbers have moved. You know, when, when I graduated college in 1991 to be in the top 1% of earners, you needed to make $100,000. Today, that number is $384,000 to be in the top 1%. The money's moved. Everything is more expensive. So we got to make more. Number seven, niche domination. I mean, I don't want to go into details about our business, but we are a niche of a niche. I explained that we finance over-the-road truckers, but the reality is that we finance a tiny sliver of over-the-road truckers. We know our ideal customer is what we call a 557, five, five years in business, minimum of five units in the fleet, 700 credit score of the owners. And when you take this huge marketplace and you begin to refine it into that niche domination, we are one of the biggest players in that niche. And I think at Pandora, especially in your division, you guys could probably craft that ideal client and then absolutely dominate it. There is one of the 30 people on the call who could be the 800 pound gorilla. In some niche under the umbrella of Pandora Auto. Yep, I like that. And I would encourage everybody to become that 800-pound gorilla because experts get paid and the amateurs get crushed. And that's the way it is. I mean, how many how many of us know a 20-year salesperson with one year's worth of experience? Right? They just they just they learned it in the first year and they kept doing it for the next 19. Yep. Number eight. Use your tools and your data. Your company has tools and data at your disposal. Use them. You know, when when you're at a folding table with a yellow pages and a phone, you don't have any tools. You don't have company history. You don't have testimonials. You don't have reputation. You don't have marketing dollars. You don't have anything. Pandora's got a ton of tools. And I bet the ability to mine data to really begin to infiltrate the ideal customer. And that's... That's something that I think most salespeople don't do enough. We don't, we don't rely on the tools and the staffing and the data that exists in our organizations. I, I tell the sales guys here, I'm like, I don't want to sound like the grandpa, you know, uphill, snow, barefoot. But, dude, I had a yellow pages, man. You guys have PPC and social and data reports and 10,000 clients to pull from and computers and nice chairs. Dude, I was on a folding chair. Tin tin chair. So use the tools and the data. Number nine, this is the most important thing, and so many of us don't get this right. You have to understand how your client makes their money, not how you make your money and therefore sell your product to the client. You need to understand how does your product weave into the client making money because in the end, especially coming out of, of corona. The client will require results, and the only result they care about is did it put more money in their pocket? If we do not achieve that, we fail and we get fired. How do our clients make their money, understand those economics, and then weave our product and service into that? And then number 10, uh, touching on what I was talking about a little earlier, Matt, win fast. Time is not our friend. We have to condense time. Everyone's heard the... The quote, you know, that time heals all wounds. Time does not heal wounds. It prolongs the wounds. There's a problem with the client. We know there's a problem with the client, and we just don't know how to have that tough conversation. Time doesn't heal that tough conversation. Condensing time, doing things fast, fast, fast. I always ask the question, why not now? Why not now? Why wait? Why not now? Why not now? Why not now? I mean, I'm relentless about compressing time because I wasted so much of it thinking small. Now I want to do things as fast as possible so that we can make money because I know that time is money. And without that urgency, I don't control the process. And that scares me. So those are 10 tips of how you can tap into a little bit of grit if it helps you guys this afternoon. I appreciate it. I love it. We talk about anything you guys want to talk about. But, you know, I, I think this relentlessness to winning is missing. And I think Corona has given us the opportunity to be okay with it, Matt. And it troubles me in a lot of businesses. I think a lot of people are okay with, well, yeah, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll just write 2020 off, right? 2020 could be an incredible year and many companies. People don't understand this, Matt. Q2 was supposed to be a disastrous quarter, right? Corona hits in March, April, May, June, supposed to be disastrous. 83% of the companies in the S&P 500 beat their earnings in the second quarter. How did that happen in a pandemic? How is real estate at all-time highs? How is the stock market at all-time highs? I'm buying a lake house right now. I literally cannot get the appraisal ordered. The title company cannot process the paperwork there's so many deals in. How is, where is the pandemic in some industries? It's such a good question. So yes, I know that restaurants are in trouble and hotels are in trouble and all, and airlines are in trouble. I get it. But there's a lot of businesses that aren't and particularly in auto. You know, I bought a couple cars during Corona. Those dealers all seem pretty doggone busy to me. They all seem pretty, I mean like, like, like they went a lot of negotiation. Like I was the only only client on the lot. They're, they're, all of them held pretty hard on their vehicle on the selling price. So, I think there's a tremendous amount of winning that's going on that the media is trying to tell us there isn't. But if you peel that onion back just a little bit, look, interest rates are at all time lows. It's unbelievable. The, the 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 loan on that house is two point seven five percent.
1: Awesome.
0: You, it, it's like one step from free on a mortgage? You know. Like uh, really, and yet we' we're, we're, we're allowing ourselves to be fed by Fox and be fed by CNN that you know, this is really just horrible and horrific and, and unbelievable. And just a side note, for, for, for those who think that I'm I'm not understanding the human element of Corona, I do. My dad passed away during Corona, and when I flew up to New Hampshire to visit with him, only one person, was allowed to go into the hospital only one visitor one time one hour that was it and my sister and I allowed his longtime girlfriend of 30 years to go in and see him and um and we did not get to see my dad pass she did so wow. so I'm unbelievably sensitive to to the deep impact of covid sure. but but there is you know listen for every buy there's a sale buddy right for every win there's a loss yeah, so yeah. F- for me I'm looking at I'm looking at the glass half full versus half empty, like the media wants us to believe.
1: Well, no, I like that, I like, and you're right. they there. I'm helping my uncle right now get a car, and it's it's pretty funny. We're we're negotiating with these guys, and they're not. <laughs> oh, we can't do that deal. I was like, all but, right, you know.
0: They're passing on deals.
1: Yeah.
0: There were eight offers above ask on this lake house in 24 hours. Hold, hold, hold on, but Fox tells us there's a pandemic. It's the word. Unbelievable, terrible economic conditions. Really? I'm not so sure about that, guys. I think there's a tremendous amount of winning going on.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: Let's, um, let's open it up a
1: little bit. What um, Are there some questions out there for Matt and, and how he stays motivated? Or you want to talk about grit? Or you want to talk about why you need more money?
2: Anything. Hey, hey Matt. Uh, Randall McAdore here. Uh, I'm, I'm located in Michigan. <laughs> In Detroit, uh, in the spirit of um, which one was it? Number two, training the brain. Um, I'm actually reading Reed Hastings' new book. I just started it, so give me cut me some slack here. No rules, rules. So, for those of you who don't know, Reed Hastings is the founder of Netflix, and he still runs uh, Netflix. Obviously, very successful, you know, company, uh, and disrupted like disrupting whole industries. But you know, for years, a lot of you know Silicon Valley folks have known about their uh, kind of their HR policy, which, you know, I wrote it down. uh, Adequate performance gets a generous severance package. It's like he thinks of, um, he thinks of, of, you know, the employees more like a sports team where if the, you know, if, if they find a better quarterback in the draft than that longtime quarterback that you've had for the last five years, you know, sits the bench and may get traded. Uh, that's how he runs Netflix. And I'm just wondering, you know, a lot of companies don't, don't operate that way, including ours, frankly. And I'm not passing judgment on what's right or wrong. I'm just trying to understand what you think about that in particular.
0: Yeah, you know, I remember firing a guy many, many years ago, and uh, I, I, I just lost sleep over it. I was just terrified to fire this fella. And when he came to the, when he came to the table, he put his briefcase down. I said, Larry, you, we got to part ways. He said, you should have fired me three weeks ago. I I know that most people who are not performing well at their job know it, recognize it, feel it. And my opinion is that the company has a requirement to either retrain that person, help them understand what career path they should take, but the company should not tolerate low performance. And it's not because of the economics of the company. It's the damage it's doing to the employee. That employee is going home every night feeling bad. They recognize that they're not making the company money or enough money. They don't feel good about themselves. And they're, they're wondering, maybe I could do something different or go. So I believe the company has to help that person. Now, I don't believe that Jack, you know, Jack Welch used to say, fire the bottom 10% every year, right? I, I don't right. believe in that. I do believe the right seat on the right bus is a requirement of a company culture. Appreciate, yeah appreciate your question
1: hey matt and matt i have a question michael stillman here in l.a hey michael how are you good thanks for joining us today number one we appreciate it um you talk your one story besides the fact that it'd be great to lose 50 pounds um you 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 easy you hit your goal and then you said i i wish i had done 75 at, at what point do you take a pause to celebrate your wins or hitting your goals, are you the type of person that just you're always getting after it? There's there's uh, no time for pause to uh, recognize like the victories. How do you how do you work that in?
0: I like to think that uh, especially in the work environment that we celebrate all the time. <clears throat> you know, I mean, we celebrate everything. We celebrate birthdays. We celebrate. We've run contests all the time. We're constantly celebrating. So I believe celebration is part of the process. But I, I really never take my eye off the big prize. Um, I, I really I, – I, I'm just kind of fueled that – and this is not a positive comment. It's just a truthful comment. Like, I, I'm fueled on the next, right? I'm, I'm never fueled on the past. I remember playing sports in high school, and after the games, all my teammates would, like, remember every play, right? They're Like, oh, you remember when that guy came across and we did – like, I never remembered any of those plays. Like, I never remember the past. I'm always – moving forward. And in all transparency, I think that had a lot to do with my upbringing. I had a tough upbringing. And and why would I want to remember it? So I think my, my brain is conditioned for what's next, what's next, what's next. And I actually think that's a valuable skill in business. Um, it may not be a super valuable skill in parenting, though, in, in all transparency. So it's a great question. And I probably gave you some insight on on the answer. Um, celebration is vital, But I don't spend a lot of time, you know, celebrating the accomplishment in lieu of getting on to the next thing.
1: That's interesting. That's good to know. Yeah, I think you kind of hear that from pro athletes. If they have a bad game, it has zero impact on them. They they are moving on to the next.
0: Yeah. Well, also, you know, listen, I mean, uh, uh, losing a sale can cripple a person's confidence for a long time. Then if that's the case, then reverse it. What is winning a sale? I'm involved in a marketing company. We just closed a a big deal on uh, Tuesday. It's amazing what what that has done for the organization, the confidence that the place has. So, you know, winning winning breeds more winning. Unfortunately, losing breeds more losing too. So I just don't spend a lot of time um, overly celebrating because I I like to do it a lot, but but I'm on to the next thing, man.
1: Good stuff. Thank you. Yeah. I like that. By the way, Matt, I think is being uh, rather humble because he, he's a great dad. Uh, his oldest son right now is at, uh, at West Point uh, and playing lacrosse there. So he's uh,
0: he, he, you're doing OK in that department. Uh, <laughs> he made it easy for us, Matt. You know that he, he didn't. It's the other two that are testing him. <laughs> Johnny boy is one of a kind. That's for sure. Yeah, thanks. He's awesome. What
1: other well, uh, what there's other, there's questions other
2: questions are out there, there for Matt? For Matt. <clears throat> you know, not a, not, you know, I, I wanted to see if there was anyone that had anything else. This is really not a question, just an observation uh, on my part. I think Matt talked about um, number seven, I think, was niche don- domination. And that kind of made me think about us, us at Pandora, really us at Pandora are, are trying to sell to, to automakers. And if you think about it, when you look at all of the, the the opportunities that uh, our auto clients have to spend their media dollars, it's 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 a it's a big universe, right? Everything from you know linear TV and 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 you know and digital is a giant thing, and we're a we're a sliver of 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 those things that they they spend their money on, but we have this significant opportunity to dominate that that sliver in you know digital audio. And even though podcasting's growing and we're investing, it's still a sliver. And I think, and there's really not that many competitors if you think about it. And it's, and if you think about it, it's, it's almost easy, easier, to dominate that small slice, which has a big revenue number at the end of the rainbow, than it is to dominate advertising. Right? Uh, um, just an observation that you
0: know n- that niche is sort of what we're trying to do. Yeah, you know the client. Um will eventually, in the very, very near future, require that level of expertise from every vendor they choose. They they will be perfectly fine with selecting this one person who dominates this niche and another person who dominates. Because, you know, a jack of all trades, a master of none. We've all heard that, right? We could say at my company that we're in the finance business. No, we're in the transportation finance business. No, we're actually in the small to medium-sized fleet. transport. No, we're in the used truck, yeah, and we're only in for good credit. I mean, it's a niche of a niche of a niche, and it's a you know, a forty billion dollar a year industry. So I always said, I need a hundred million of forty billion and And how do I get it and then dominate it? And that's that's one thing that we've been able to do. But you know, Wells Fargo will do three point five billion in our space, and we'll do one hundred and fifty million. And Wells Fargo doesn't even know who we are. Right. Perfect. That sounds good for me. I like that. Now, you guys have much bigger scale. You're putting a lot more zeros to things. But I think I appreciate you recognizing the concept that that there is usually enough share to dominate a few niches. I, 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 I couldn't
1: agree more. I think it's a great call, Randall. Obviously, Matt, the other thing you said, which I think can apply to us, as I liked how you called it, the five, five, seven rule, right? It was like five trucks, five years, a 700 score, which again, right, narrows it down in a smart way. Same for us too, right? Because we are all narrowing it down. Whether you're calling on Toyota or GM, it's then narrowing it down to knowing that what we can deliver within a very specific sort of targeted audience.
0: Yeah. So Matt and Randall, just, you know, you you, you guys can explore on that, but um, what does that do to training? Like training becomes much different. What does it do to marketing and messaging and, and the way that that your people can communicate it changes the whole ball game right if a salesperson comes to us in our office and says hey i got this great deal the first question we ask is great where does it fit on the 557 well it's a it's a zero, zero, 00650 time out man we don't do 00650s zero, zero, we do 557s five, five, i go back to the marketplace and get me some 557s five, five, i mean and you only have to go through that one time before the salesperson says okay wait a minute i actually better trust what these guys are telling me. They've been in business 25 years. They've done a billion dollars. There's tons of guys winning in this office. Let me go ahead and follow that lead of success, that roadmap to success. And that's what doesn't happen when we are generalists. But it is what happens culturally when we are experts. People get on the bus and say, man, I want, I want to follow that guy's lead. And and I think um, way too many companies are so concerned about the rev grab that they, that they miss that with, with sometimes you just take one step back, take two steps forwards on this niche and become that 800-pound grill. And once you do it here, you can rinse and repeat for a few other, we call them silos. You can rinse and repeat into a couple other silos and then you really do become a dominator. I've just seen way too many companies that are doing too much poorly. And I don't see a lot doing a little perfectly.
1: Right. Um, I know we're running out of time. I've dragged you here. It's already forty minutes. Um, any other questions for Matt? and then I know Matt give us the uh give us the thirty second one minute elevator pitch on on some of the boot camp stuff that you're doing
0: yeah, sure I mean uh. I have uh, partnered with a gentleman named judge Graham who's become a super close friend of mine and we put on one and a half day business boot camps we call them burn the ships boot camps people can learn more at burntheships.com um, they are I think the we were we the only boot camp that teaches the structural and tactical roadmap of how to take any business from any size uh, to the next level and um, we, we, they're magical um, they're magical we, we're solidly one year in business we've had a couple hundred people come through the program and uh, they're just a magical one and a half day that anyone who manages people or anyone who owns a business should come to. It's four thousand bucks a person. We offer a hundred percent money back guarantee. We've never been asked for a nickel back, um, and we've had some tremendous successes. So it's just uh, something that that Judge and I are using our long experience. I guess the school of hard knocks, which which some people say is like you know a badge of honor. I, I don't think it's a school at all. I think it's a bloody nightmare, you know. That this idea that there is a structural methodology, tactical roadmap for for success in business. It's, it just doesn't have to be as hard as I made it. It's just not. And so we now teach that roadmap, 18 pillars, and we teach it to our attendees. So small group, only 30 people, um, always in Dallas at the same place. Our next event is October. So, um, and then listen, if anybody's interested and you need more money, it's available on Amazon. I, I think it's a um, uh, it's a quick read. It's an easy read. But I, I, ho- I hope to the reader, it's an emotional read, too, because, um, you know, I think I think everybody needs to really just take a couple minutes and understand that if we don't get our financial house in order, it doesn't happen automatically. It, it really does take focus and energy. And um, and I think the book lays out that tactical roadmap to how to do that, too, based on the story of my brother in law and my brother-in-law used to say, Matt, all the time, he said, I know I'm behind, but I got time. I know I'm behind. I got time. I'll make it up. I know. I'll... So he went to the doctor to get a shot. He thought he was going to get a steroid shot and go back to work. you know. And you know what he could have done, just as a tip, i like to finish all the conversations like this. The, the best way to hedge against that problem is through insurance. My brother-in-law had no life insurance. For 100 bucks a month, He probably could have gotten a $250,000 term life insurance policy and it would have changed everything. Like everything would have changed if there was a $250,000 check coming to his widow for a hundred bucks a month, he could have hedged against that. So I encourage everybody if review your insurance and then go to Google and type in term life insurance provider in your city and buy as much of it as you possibly can and go home and tell your spouse, I did something for the family today you know, because it's so cheap and you just never know. I love that. I love that. Matt,
1: this has been awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, it's great to a, get to share you with a lot of people. Um, and, and again, everybody, I, I shared Matt's website. Um, Matt also sent an ebook, which I'll float back out to the whole group um, that you can download Thank you for the 10 steps and and thank you so much for your time. Really appreciate it.
0: Dude, I appreciate it for you. I appreciate the friendship, man. Uh, uh, you know, Thanks, buddy. It was good to see you. It's great to see you as well. Bye, everybody.